Thanks, preacher. God bless you. Amen. Thank the Lord. Well, it's good to see you tonight. I, I don't know. I was just sitting there a moment ago um, and uh, had the privilege to come to this church 32 years ago, uh, Brother Shane. Uh, it's hard to believe uh, because Brother Joe Hudson invited me to come uh, for the first time. And, of course, Brother Joe's memorial service was here um, in October. We saw Brother Shane, of course, and uh, I was here with Brother Phil, and and I, you know, I couldn't know. Oh, I, uh, I got tears in my eyes. I, don't you know Joe Hudson's enjoying heaven? Don't don't you know that? I mean, I just it just I just thought uh, Brother Joe's there and we're not, and I know he's having a big time. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, uh, thank you, preacher. It's been my honor uh, to be to be here. What a, what a joy I. I just barely got to know Brother Shane last year, but you've been a real blessing to me, brother. I've, uh, God's blessed you with a wonderful pastor and pastor's wife, and I, I'm just so grateful for the privilege. And I'm committing to you, pastor, because you're the pastor. Whatever you've given us in the love offering goes straight to our ministry. And uh, I do thank you. You've, this church has helped us so many times over the years, and you've just been such a blessing like you will never know. So thank you. Thank you for all the books you all have bought. I think we're about out of a bunch of books. And, of course, Judy can tell you how to get them if, if, uh, if you want one and you don't have to go online and order them and they charge you postage and all that stuff. I sort of say dumb stuff. Well, I just said it, that, all that <laughs> dumb stuff. And, uh, Judy and I are actually leaving tonight. Uh, we are driving to Spartanburg. Just That's, for, that's all, just to Spartanburg uh, like we did coming in. Uh, about every year I come, I fly, but we had to drive this year under the circumstances. We're going back to Spartanburg, and um, we'll get up in the morning and head home because Saturday afternoon we're going to drive into Alabama, about a five-hour ride Saturday. So uh, you pray for us. The first time I'll be by myself, I think, will be uh, two weeks from now, and it'll just be in the little north of Savannah. And I think the first time I'll be on an airplane by myself then will be the last of, of um, August. And so um, you pray for us, and I love you, and uh, I've been so encouraged this week. And these aren't just words. Uh, I'm leaving here so encouraged this year what God's doing at Tennessee Avenue. And I, I love you, and I praise God for what he's doing. And uh, Brother Joey, the music's blessed me. I, I concur with him, the media team and all. The media team never gets credit. You never know they're up there until something goes wrong. And uh, our musicians, all of that's been said. But I love you, and I thank God for you. Take your Bibles tonight, if you would, and go to one of the great passages in the book, 1 Thessalonians 4. And I find myself the last few years preaching so many times on the signs of the times and all of those things. And, and God, uh, God laid on my heart earlier this year, just to, it's time just to have a simple doctrinal message on the rapture, on the rapture, which is found in 1 Thessalonians 4. So I want to preach the simplest of sermons tonight. And I'm preaching tonight on this subject, do you really believe in the rapture? I'm going to say that one more time. Do you really believe in the rapture? Stand for the reading of the Word of God. Would you do that, everybody standing? 1 Thessalonians 4, and I'm going to read beginning with that familiar 13th verse to the end of the chapter. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. Paul said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now I'm preaching tonight on this subject. Do you really believe? In the rapture. Do you really believe in the rapture? Thank God for the reading of this book. Please be seated and pray with me. God, these aren't just words when I say I really desire to preach tonight as if I may never stand to preach again. God, I, I really desire to preach tonight with an urgency that this scripture commands and demands. 
God, I really desire to preach tonight as a man who believes there's really going to be a rapture, whether it's in my lifetime or not, that there's really going to be one. So God, I pray that I would preach with that kind of urgency. God, I pray that you would loose me and let me go. God, I pray that our enemy, who's not welcome anywhere here, could not interrupt, interfere with anything that's going to happen tonight. God, would you do the preaching, all of it, all of it, may only be said what is said from you. And God, I'll thank you now and I'll praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. John 20, 31 says, and these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God. I really believe. I still love that fantastic old story about the old backwoods country preacher who only finished the eighth grade. He just didn't have any education. He was theologically illiterate and educationally ignorant, but he had the passion of the Lord. And one day he was preaching about how Noah and his family by faith built the ark And he was describing Noah's family, and somehow he chased a rabbit and started talking about Mrs. Noah. And he said, Mrs. Noah must have been a great woman. Matter of fact, she was. And he looked down, and he just started reading in his Bible. said, Mrs. Noah was 300 cubits long, and she was 50 cubits wide, and she was 30 cubits tall, and she was made out of gopher wood. Well, he realized he made a mistake, so he just tried to cover it up, and he looked at the crowd and said, you know, she must have been a big old ugly woman, but God sure loved her. I just know that much. (laughs) Folks, I'm going to tell you what that old boy believed. That old boy believed what he read, and I believe what I read in this book. I believe it all. I don't believe some of it. I don't believe most of it. I don't believe a little bit of it. I believe all of it. So when this book says that Jesus Christ was miraculously born of a virgin, I believe it. When this book says that Jesus Christ led a sinless, perfect life and took my place dying for my sin on the cross, I believe it. When this book says that Jesus Christ was put into a borrowed tomb and he was dead and they sealed it up and put a stone there, I believe it. And when this book says three days later, the ground began to shake and the stone was rolled away and Jesus came out alive and well, having conquered death, hell, and the grave, I believe it. And when this book says that that same Jesus then left this earth bodily and flew up into heaven and sat down on the right hand of God where he's been for 2,000 plus years, I believe it. And church, if I believe all of that, then I believe the best is yet to come. If I'm going to believe that, I've got to believe that one of these days this same Jesus is going to stand up. He's going to leave the portals of heaven. He's going to send back down to this earth for the first time since he left, but he's not coming all the way to the ground. He's going to stop and suspend and stand in midair. And when he stands in midair, he's going to open his mouth and shout real loud, and people are going to hear him speak. People that hear him speak are not just going to be nice people or good people or religious people. The only ones that are going to hear him speak are those who have been washed in his blood, saved by his grace, are part of his family. And when we hear him speak, an amazing thing's going to happen. Gravity will lose its hold on us. We'll drop all this old ugly flesh, put on a brand new body, and at the speed of light, blast off to meet Jesus in the air. It is not a fairy tale. It is not a fable. It's really going to happen. It is called the rapture. And I really do believe in the rapture. The Apostle Paul wrote to the first century Thessalonians because they were concerned about death. People were dying. They were dying because they were under persecution. And the persecution of the Roman government was killing their neighbors and their friends and their families. And they were concerned about not seeing them again. That's why Paul's writing in this passage. They thought they're dead. Are we ever going to see them again? And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, looks into the future and talks about what happens to dead folk. And he begins in verse 13 by saying, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now that word ignorant there means uninformed. It's not an insult. By the way, the word agnostic comes from that. An agnostic is somebody who who doubts whether or not God really exists. Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. And then before the chapter is over, he discusses the doctrine of the rapture. 
Now the rapture and the doctrine of the rapture determines your destiny. It's very important. You do understand there's one big difference between a lost person and a saved person. A lost person has no hope. A saved person has the blessed hope. There's a difference. And so this book is the book we must look at if we're going to discuss this mysterious event called the rapture. History books look behind. Science books look around. Philosophy books look inside. But this book looks up. And it says one day Jesus is coming again. Do you really believe in the rapture? Because if you really believe in the rapture, I've got three questions for you. Three questions i got to ask everybody in this building tonight. Question number one. Do you really believe in the resurrection of the saints? Do you really believe in the resurrection of the saints? Now it gets good. Look what the Bible says in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep. Students, that means dead. That you saw not even as others which have no hope. Now the word asleep there means dead or deceased. By, by the way, do you know the Greek word for sleep itself is where we get the word cemetery. It's really amazing. I only pastored two churches. I've been a traveling evangelist all these years, but uh, the second church I pastored, a great church, great church. Only the will of God got me out of that church. One of the greatest churches I've ever been in to this day. That great church, big old country church. And uh, uh, that church was the only church I ever pastored preacher that had a big old cemetery beside it. And Judy and I, when we first moved there, lived in the beautiful church pastorum. That's where our young family was. We lived there. And I remember one particular Saturday night, I was over in the office cramming, trying to get ready, I think, for my Sunday night sermon. And I was over by myself and Judy, and we only had two girls then. They were at home. And, and I went through my sermon, working through my sermon. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And so it's time for me to go home. So I, Saturday night, started down that dark corridor and, uh, to the outside, had no floodlight, had no nightlight, no nothing, just pitch dark. There's one point on the way home, I passed within 25 yards of that cemetery. And I kid you not, on that pitch black Saturday night, when I got out in front of the cemetery, I heard a man's voice clearly say, hey, come here. Now, let me tell you something. I'm saved and I'm sanctified and I was a dignified Baptist preacher, but I'm going to tell you what I did, son. I slapped it in B for boogie. That's what I did. And I believe for 50 feet, I could have outrun an Olympic sprinter, man, trying to get back to my house. I come running in the house, called the police. The police that came were members of our church. And the policeman finally found out who it was. He said, preach a couple of drunks were out there uh, by some, one of the headstones just drinking beer, and he got rid of them. And he came back. I said, well, that really shook me up. And he said, oh, he smiled and said, oh, come on, preacher. You know folk don't get up once they're out there, don't you? And as soon as he said that, he kind of smiled and said, but wait a minute. That's not true. They're going to one day, aren't they? And I said, yeah, brother. There's going to get a morning where there's going to be a getting up time. Folks are going to come out. They're coming out of the graves. I believe in the resurrection of the saints. It's crucial to the rapture. Why do I believe in the resurrection of saints? I believe in the resurrection of saints, number one, because the grave couldn't hold Christ. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 14. He says, for if we believe, there's our word, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. If we believe Jesus rose from the grave, we have to believe in the rapture. You do understand that the rapture is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus did not raise from the grave, there is no rapture. You can't believe in the resurrection of Christ and not believe in the rapture. I'll never forget back in the 1970s, I was exposed to liberalism for the first time. Raised in a, a preacher's home, my fundamental preaching daddy, all I ever knew was, you know, this is the way it is. And I went to a fundamental Bible college. And my second year in that Bible college, I preached in a liberal church in Florida. The biggest crowd I'd ever preached in front of at that time. I was 19 years old. There was about 300 people there. And that was a huge crowd. I'd never preached for a crowd that size. And I was impressed by that church. And I preached on the rapture. I didn't know any better, and I thought everybody believed in the rapture. So I preached in that Baptist church in the rapture, Brother Shane. After the service, the pastor got me in his office, folded his hands you know, on his desk. I was impressed. He had his Ph.D. behind him on the wall. I was in my first year of college. He looked at me, and he said, a young man, let me see if I can help you. I said, yes, sir. He said, I don't preach much on the rapture at all. I have taught my people the rapture is not a literal event. And I was stunned. 
First time I've been confronted with that. And that man looked at me, and I kid you not, made this statement. Matter of fact, I believe so much of the Bible is metaphorical, I'm not even sure the resurrection is a literal event. Now, I was really brash in those days. I've calmed down a lot, man. But I mean, I was 19 years old, and you know, you're cocky and everything else. And when that old boy said to me, I'm not even sure the little resurrection, I didn't care what kind of degrees were behind his head on that wall. I looked at him, I said, well, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you're lost. Did you know he didn't take me out to lunch? Did you know he didn't invite me to come preach that night? But I'll never forget that fellow looking at me and saying, young fella, you've got to learn you can't be dogmatic about some things. If you do, you'll never last. Now, the statement I'm going to make right now is not an arrogant statement, but I want you to know it's been close to 50 years, and bless God, I'm still here, man. You know why? Because there's some things, there's some things we have to be dogmatic about. History records Christ died. Even the lost world knows that. A man named Jesus lived and died. But there's far more to it than that. For Jesus did not die for a cause. Jesus did not die a martyr's death. The one difference between Christianity and the 4,500 religions in the world is this. Our founder is not sleeping in a cemetery. He is sitting on a throne tonight. Our founder's not dead but alive. Our founder is not in the grave. He is in glory tonight. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ is not risen from the dead then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain also. That means if there's no resurrection of Christ, I'm wasting my time preaching and you're wasting your time listening to me. We may as well run on down to Chick-fil-A. I think Cracker Barrel's open. What in the world are we doing here tonight if there's no resurrection from the dead? Matter of fact, I'll be real blunt. If there's no resurrection of the dead and Christ is not risen, I don't know who the bigger fool is. You sitting there wasting time listening to me or me standing up here trying to preach to you. If there's no resurrection of the dead and if Christ is not risen, there is no book of Acts. If there's no book of Acts, there's no Pentecost. If there's no Pentecost, there's no Holy Ghost. If there's no Holy Ghost, there's no church. If there's no church, there's no Christianity. It's all a waste. But Paul closes is that same chapter in 1 Corinthians when he says in chapter 15 verse 20 but now is Christ risen from the dead that means we're not wasting our time tonight I believe in the resurrection of the dead because I believe the grave couldn't hold Jesus remember Desert Storm those of us who were alive in the early 1990s on the morning of February 27, 1991 an Illinois woman named Ruth Dillow was at home when she got a phone call Ruth answered the telephone. It was the United States Army telling her her son, Private First Class Clayton, had been killed by stepping on a landmine during Desert Storm. They said Ruth just went into such shock and remorse that she went to her bedroom and refused to let anybody else come in. She threw herself across her bed. Her kids say she was inconsolable. They couldn't talk to her. They were trying to plan the funeral, but one day passed, two days passed. She wouldn't come out of the room, barely eat any meals. And on the third day, she got a phone call. She answered the phone, and it was from her son, Clayton himself. Clayton called her. The army had made a mistake. They had identified the wrong body. Can you imagine? And she found out in her bedroom her son was alive, and she went running out of the house where the relatives were in the living room, screaming, he's alive. Clayton is alive. Cancel the funeral. And they had a celebration, and in a few days, her son came home. Well, it was a small town, and there was an enterprising young journalist that got a hold of the story, and he put in the headlines, good news from the graveyard. And I read that story, and I thought, man, that's all cool, but that headline's about 2,000 years too late, man, because the good news from the graveyard came on that morning when those mourning women came to that tomb and the disciples were hiding and when they got there the stone was rolled away and the angel gave the greatest news in human history. If you're looking for Jesus, he is not here. He has risen from the dead and I'm here to tell you I serve a risen Savior tonight. He's alive. You know what that means? You know what that means? That means I believe in the resurrection of the saints because the grave could not hold Christ. And if the grave could not hold Christ, that means the grave will not hold Christians. And now it gets good. Here we go. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, we believe, we believe that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them 
which are asleep. Understand, when the rapture occurs, the first thing that will happen in the chain of events is the resurrection of dead bodies from the grave that will be reunited, or not reunited, but that will unite with the spirits of our departed loved ones who have already gone to be with the Lord. That's why there will be a resurrection of the dead. They will rise from the dead and they will unite with their bodies. Not reunite, I said, because it's a brand new body. It's a glorified body. And they will be in the air. Because you do understand, if you've got a loved one in the grave, it's just their body that is there. Their soul is not there. The Bible does not teach that. My mother died in May of 2020. And I was there. The girls, my sisters picked out her clothes to put on her body in that casket. And Judy and I were there that day on that day in May of 2020. And I went to that casket and I looked down at my mama's body. That was my mama, Pat Corum. That was her body. Looked like her. She had on her dress. She had her hairstyle. She had her jewelry on. It was her. But it was not her. You understand? It was just her body. My mother was not there. See, when the Bible talks about going to sleep, it's talking about your body. The body's the only thing that goes to sleep. The Bible does not teach soul sleep. Soul sleep is that horrible doctrine, that heresy that talks about your soul going to sleep and just waiting in a waiting place until one day something will happen. Oh no, the soul never goes to sleep. The soul is a living soul. And at the moment you die, Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says that your body returns to the dust, but your spirit returns to the Lord. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That means if you've got a loved one who has died, you had a funeral for their body. But they were not there. They were already in the presence of the Lord. Now, this is exciting. And we don't preach this very often, but look what God says. Back, back up to that 14th verse. Look what he says. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Is that not fantastic? That means when Jesus comes in the clouds, he is bringing back with him. Do you understand how many is going to be in the clouds? The angel band and all of the saints of God that have gone before us are coming back with Jesus, their spirits. Their dead bodies are going to be raised up and instantaneously they will receive a brand new glorified body. And that body then will be joined to their spirit in the air. So he said, I'm, I can't wait till I get to heaven. I'm going to see my mama. Honey, you may meet your mama long about Mars. I don't know. You may meet your mama long before that. Because your mama's coming back with, hallelujah. I said, your mama is coming back with Jesus to pick you up. That's what the Bible says. And what a reunion it will be. You understand what's going to take place in the air? It will be the largest family reunion in world history. People from every tongue and tribe and nation, you'll meet your daddy again. You'll meet your mama again. You'll meet your friends again. Those of us who knew Pastor Joe Hudson will meet him again. You will meet them in the air. I love that gospel song, Brother Joey. There's going to be a meeting in the air. And you will meet them in the air. It will be the largest family reunion in world history. I'm not done. It'll not only be the largest, it'll be the loveliest. It'll take place in the Crystal Palace, beyond the pearly gates, in front of the Crystal Sea. It'll be the largest family reunion. It will be the loveliest. And I'm not, I got news for you. It'll be the loudest. From one end of heaven to the other, how we will carry on for the ages at the family reunion that will be in when we meet in the air. But I love you when I preach this. Some of you will never see your loved ones again. Some of you had a mama that prayed for you. The last time you saw her was that casket. You'll never see her again. You had a daddy that prayed for you. You had parents that prayed for you and you're lost. You may even be a church member, but you know you're not saved. You'll never see them again. You departed at the funeral, and you'll never look in their face again. I'll never forget when I pastored a church. Broke my heart. Godly daddy had died, and we had his funeral, and everybody had left the church but me and the family. We were there, and the family came by to say goodbye. Preacher, I'll never forget it. The son, who was about 22 years old, was ungodly, raised in church, but he lived out in the world, cared nothing about the things of God. But he loved his daddy. 
And I shall never forget that son, that grown son falling down at that casket. It was brutal, just weeping and screaming, goodbye, daddy, goodbye, daddy, goodbye. And he walked out, tried to minister to him later, but he did no good. He walked out, told his daddy goodbye. Right behind him was mama and her daughter, the grown sister. Mama reached over and gently kissed her husband on the forehead and said, good night, sweetheart. I'll see you in the morning. And when that mama walked away, I thought, what a contrast. One said goodbye and one said goodnight. You do understand, children of God never say goodbye. We just say so long, I'll see you in the morning. I'm glad there's a resurrection of the saints. Can I get an amen, amen? Do you really believe there's a resurrection of the saints? Number two, going to get good now. Do you really believe in the revelation of the Scripture? See, I've asked you if you believe in the rapture. So now I've asked you, do you believe in the resurrection of the saints? Now I'm asking, do you believe in the revelation of Scripture? So now we go to the event itself in verse 16. For the Lord himself. That means Jesus himself. Now he's not sending somebody. As someone said, he's not sending a celestial chauffeur. He's coming to pick me up himself. The Lord himself, now watch what he says in 16, shall descend. That, that It's literal. That means to step down. Say, Rick, how do you know it's literal? Acts 1.11 says this, when Jesus left and went into heaven and ascended from the top of the Mount of Olives, two angels stood there and told the disciples who were gawking at the sky, said, this same Jesus who has gone away from you into heaven is going to come again in like manner. That means through the clouds, he will descend. It's going to be a rapture. I've I, I believed in pre- preacher ever since, I, ever since God called me to preach. I got so caught up in the rapture in the 70s, that's all we talked about. Because Joey in the 70s is when the king is coming, came out. In the 70s is when all the books were being written about the rapture. Everybody's talking about the rapture. I was in Bible college those days and we were crazy. I told you Sunday night I believe we were saved out of the Jesus movement. We were nuts. I had a Volkswagen and I've told you about that car before. My Volkswagen that had the shag carpet and the, the, the mag wheel covers. Couldn't afford mag wheels and uh, you know it was tricked out except it was my Jesus car on the back wheel I had a big bumper sticker said one way to heaven one way you know the finger that was a big deal in the 70s and and then I had a big fish uh license plate on the front my had a big old cross hanging from the mirror big old wooden cross hanging from the mirror and I love Jesus bumper sticker on the back and I had two buddies that were nuts and radical. And all we ever used the Jesus bug for, that's what I call the Volkswagen, all we ever used it for was to go to a revival or go to a place I was preaching or go to a place one of my buddies was preaching or riding around picking up people telling them about Jesus. Oh, we were radical, man. Now, I don't recommend doing this now. This is, this is nuts. But back then, we would ride around and pick up hitchhikers and tell them about Jesus. There was always three of us in the car. We always felt like we were well protected. But we'd get a hitchhiker in the car and we'd say something like, hey, buddy, you know what we're doing? And he'd say, what? we said, we're just riding around picking up people telling them about Jesus. I mean, that's how the conversation would start. And one day we'd been talking about the rapture when we picked up this old boy on Fowler Avenue in Tampa, Florida. And got on I-75 and he wanted to go about 20 miles down the road and we were going to take him. We're on the interstate and one of my buddies said, you know what we're doing, man? He said, no. He said, we're just riding around picking up people telling them about Jesus. And then my buddy looked at him and said, hey, have you heard of the rapture? The guy said, yeah, I've heard of the rapture. He said, do you believe in it? He said, no. And he said, you mean tell me you don't believe there's a rapture? He said, no. And my buddy said this. He said, well, the driver of this car, that was me, and all of us do so. If the rapture comes right now, you're a dead man. (laughs) And I'm just standing there. I'm sitting there driving, cringing, man. And I'm thinking to my buddy, you're out of your mind. And then my buddy rolls his window down, looks out, said, hey, Rick, it sure is cloudy today. Wonder if Jesus is in one of those clouds right up there. And I kid you not, long about the 15-mile mark, that guy said, let me out at the next exit. And so we pulled over before his exit, let that old boy out, and he looked, never forget it, looked back in the car, and that young guy, 21, 22 years old, looked at us and said, you guys really believe in the rapture? And we said yes, and he said, well, I'm just going to take my chances. I'll never forget that as long as I live. I'm just going to take my chances. You know, there's some of you here tonight that have been in church all your life, and you know you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you've heard songs about the rapture, and you hear preaching about the rapture, and you know what you're doing? You're just taking your chance. You're just sitting there thinking, well, you know, uh, I've heard preachers preach about it before. I'm not sure this event's really going to happen. It is. See, 
You either believe in the revelation of Scripture or you don't. So here we go. Simple sermon on the rapture. Exactly what's going to happen at the rapture. Preachers talk about it all the time. But it's right here. It's in black and white. What's going to happen when the rapture takes place? There are two pictures that are revealed in Scripture I want to give you before I go to my very brief last point. First of all, Scripture reveals the sounds of the rapture. What will the rapture sound like? He gives us three sounds that are found right there in that 16th verse. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, sound number one. With the voice of the archangel, sound number two. The dead in Christ, and the trump of God, sound number three. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. There are three sounds. Write this down somewhere in the margin of your Bible. I believe here's what these three sounds are. The first sound is a command to arise. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. That's a, that's a command. Literally, equates to the Roman army again. So they knew what Paul was talking about. It's a picture of a Roman general telling the army with a shout of command, get up, we're moving. So it's a shout to arise. It's a command. It is a shout that will wake the dead. Because the last line of verse 16 says this. says the dead in Christ shall rise first. So that's the shout. It's the shout of the command. I want you to think about that for a minute. I mean, I want you to think about it. The Jesus we love, the Jesus we applaud, the Jesus we sing about, we're going to hear his voice. I've never heard his voice. I'm talking about literally, I've never heard his voice. Oh, Brother Shane, I've heard his voice through the Spirit. I've heard his voice through the Scriptures. I've heard his voice through the preachers. I've heard his voice through other saints. I've heard his voice in godly counsel. But I've never literally heard his voice. One day, if we believe this, we're literally going to hear the voice of the one who spoke creation into existence. We're going to hear the voice of the one who spoke and told the stars to shine and the sun to burn and the stars to beam. When he spoke, flowers sprung up and mountains rose up and trees stood up and lakes filled up just because he spoke. And some in the Old Testament heard him speak. Moses heard him at a burning bush. Isaiah heard him in a temple. Three Hebrew boys heard him in a fiery furnace. And then, of course, there were thousands and thousands that heard him speak when that voice was put in a voice box. And Jesus walked this earth. John 7, 46 said, never did a man speak like this man. And when Jesus Christ spoke, something happened. When he spoke, deaf ears listened up and blind eyes looked up and lame limbs jumped up and dead folk got up just because of that voice. The Bible says one day little old me and little old you are going to hear the voice of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and there's going to be a command to arise. But I'm not finished. There's a second sound. For there's not only a command to arise, I believe the second sound is a cry to action. And boy, this is good. Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. There's the command. And the voice of the archangel, there's the cry. The cry to action. Who in the world is the archangel? What Jude verse 9, one chapter in Jude, verse 9 says the archangel is Michael. And if you know the Bible, then you know that Michael is the one who at the end of time will marshal the forces of light, the angels of glory, against the demons of hell, the angels of darkness. So Michael's the warrior angel. Preacher, I believe with all my heart this is a cry to action. I believe there'll be a shout that'll wake the dead. And we'll hear the shout of the Lord. And then I believe, son, the cry to action. I really believe this. I believe it's a call to battle. Because you know all hell's fixing to break loose on this earth. You know the saints of God are vacating here and the great tribulation's going to begin. I believe it's a cry to battle. I believe it's a, I really do. I believe it's a cry to the demons of hell. Hey boys, get ready. It's starting. I believe something else. I believe like the old time fundamentalist preachers believe. I believe in that perimeter of demons around us. Paul calls it in Ephesians 6, the spiritual powers of the air, those in high places. I believe they ring this earth. Preacher, I don't know if it's going to be exactly like this, but it's fun to think about. I believe it's as almost as if Michael's going to be saying, hey boys, make a hole. The blood-bought church of Jesus Christ is on their way through and there ain't nothing you can do to stop them. Hallelujah. You know what I believe? I believe the first sound's a command to arise. I believe the next sound's a cry to action. And I believe the third sound is a call to assemble. And he closes with the trumpet. First, are you listening? We're talking about, do you really believe in the rapture? First, he says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and here's the third one, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The trump of the living God. The trump, again, military men knew what Paul was talking about. For they blew the trumpet. 
When the army got ready, and students, you know what happened when they blew the trumpet? If you're in an army and you hear the trumpet, first thing you do is fold your tent. Remember Paul said that when he wrote to the Corinthian church, we just got a little old tent. That's all this is. We're going to get a house. And so fold your tent. That's number one. Number two, fold in line, boys. Number three, march out. So I want you to imagine, all three, and by the way, all three sounds take place at the same time. Wow. Talk about interrupting the world as we know it. There will be a shout, command to arise. Say, Rick, what's Jesus going to say? I don't know. He'll probably say something like, get up. There'll be a shout to arise. There'll be a command to arise. Then there'll be a cry to battle. Demons get out of the way. Then there'll be the call to assemble, and the blood-bought church will fly home. You know what it's called? Don't miss this. The sounds of the rapture. Revelation of Scripture tells that. I got to give this before I go to my last point, and I'll be done. There's not only the sounds of the rapture. I really believe this for the shame. There's the silence of the rapture. I'm going to say that one more time. God, help me say this clearly. There's the silence of the rapture. For look what it says in verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain, the dead bodies have already risen, shall be caught up. And by the way, you students of the Bible know this. Those two words caught up is where we get the word rapture. When it was translated for the Latin readers, it means to be seized up or snatched up. The Greek word harpazo says we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds. Them, those that have risen, the bodies, those that are coming with them to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Say, Rick, you're talking about sound. You're talking about a shout and a trump. And an angel warrior calling troops to assemble and do battle. How in the world will that be silent? It won't be silent for you. It'll be silent for everybody that's left behind. What do you think, man? You think if you're not saved, you're going to hear the trumpet of God? What do you think? You think if you're not saved, you're going to hear the shout? Oh, no. No, no, no. That's why Jesus said two will be in the bed, one will be taken and the other left. It's a mystery. He says, describing the rapture, he's coming like a thief in the night. You can disassociate those scriptures. A thief in the night don't announce himself. Only those that are saved are going to hear those sounds. We're the only ones. Man, the day I got saved, I got heavenly hearing aids, buddy. I can't hardly hear in this right ear. I can't, I can't. I've got a, a benign tumor, Judy tell you, that's about, uh, I don't know how old is it here, my benign tumor is 15 years old. You know, I've been checked and all that. I've got a benign tumor, but I don't have a great hearing. If you're sitting on this side of me, sometimes I've got to look this way to hear you. And by the way, the right side, it comes in handy when I'm driving and Judy's the passenger. It, it, it comes in handy. <laughs> that I, I can't hear on this right side. Oh my. But I'll have no trouble hearing the trump of God. Those of you that have hearing aids, say, Brother Rick, I'm about deaf. No problem. You'll hear, because the moment that trumpet sounds, the moment that archangel speaks, the moment the trumpet of God sounds, you will hear. The only ones that will not hear are those not saved. But I'll tell you what you will hear, and I'll tell you because I love you. If you're not saved, I'll tell you what you'll hear. You'll hear news reports like you can't hardly imagine and Hollywood can't produce about millions missing all over the world. I'll tell you what you will hear. You'll hear news reports that'll be so frightening it would make today look like a Sunday school picnic. You'll hear that. You'll hear sirens in the community as they're going to help people in accidents because driverless cars have crashed. Tell you what else you'll hear. You'll hear the sirens of the police cars when all hell breaks loose and people are looting and rioting and robbing and breaking into homes. The whole system's breaking down as... The Antichrist prepares to come on the scene. That's what you'll hear. You'll hear all that. I'll tell you what else I believe you'll hear. I believe you'll hear sobbing. And I believe, especially if you come down to Tennessee Avenue Baptist Church, and I believe they'll be here, preacher. I do. Because every time we're in trouble, we go to church. Where were you during 9-11? We couldn't see people for two weeks. You remember those days? Brother Shane, I believe they'll come to the church, brother. And I believe people will sit here and people will be at the altar just silently sobbing because they've been left behind and they've lost a husband or a wife or a mother. People who just aimlessly sit in the seats then may slip up to the altar and pray here and there. You'll hear that. You'll hear a world gone haywire that's ushered into a tribulation period. You'll hear all of that. And you know why you'll hear that? 
because you wouldn't hear this. Because you sat in church and you heard a preacher that you thought was crazy or trying to be sensational and you wouldn't hear this. That's why. Because you sat there for years with a hard heart and didn't hear this and didn't hear him when he gently spoke to you and said, that preacher's telling the truth. It's going to happen. You're not saved. You're playing a religious game. That's what you'll hear. And then one day, you'll hear this. Depart from me, I never knew you. When you're cast in the lake of fire forever and ever. But aren't you glad God speaks to us now? And you've got a chance to hear. I got one more and I'm done. One more. Do you really believe in the rapture? That means you really believe in the resurrection of the saints. That means you really believe in the revelation of the scripture. Number three, and I'm done, and I'm preaching to me among everybody else. Three questions. Do you really believe in the resurrection of the, of the saints? Do you really believe in the revelation of scripture? Number three, do you really believe you're ready to stand before God? I'll ask that one more time. Do you really believe you're ready to stand before God? Because he closes this incredible passage by saying, wherefore, comfort, comfort. See, it's not a scary story. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The word comfort means encourage. I preached a funeral one time back in the day when I was a pastor, and I quoted this verse, because we quote this verse, don't we? Preach at funerals a lot. We talk about Jesus coming, especially at a graveside. Comfort one another with these words. When I walked back over to my house, not far from that cemetery, a car sat in my driveway. It was one of our deacons, one of our fine men. And he was standing in the driveway up against his car. He'd been to the service. I started to go in the house, and he said, Brother, we got to talk. And I said, Yes, sir. He said, that verse you read, he said, every time I hear it read, it scares me to death. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. He said, Brother Rick, I'm never comforted. Every, the rapture scares me to death. Thinking about the coming of Christ scares me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. So I'm never comforted by those words. See, because Paul's writing to people who have lost loved ones and saying, be comforted, be comforted. There with the Lord, you will be too. But my friend said, Brother Rick, I'm never comforted. I'm never comforted. And we began to talk and he told me the story. That's the story of many people that he walked down an aisle one time and he he prayed a prayer. But do you understand? You can pray 10,000 prayers and die and go to hell. It's surrendering your heart to Jesus. And on his knees in my hard driveway, The deacon in our church that day opened up his heart and was gloriously saved. And then after that, he was encouraged. So can I leave with this? Encourage one another with these words. Jesus is coming again. Encourage one another. I got a word for you. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. So comfort one another. You got a loved one that's not here. You're mourning a husband or wife that's not beside you in the bed anymore. Comfort one another with these words. You will see them again. I got a word for somebody. Your body's breaking down. Your health is failing. This old body's giving out. You're going to get a brand new one. Comfort one another with these words. I got news for you soon and very soon. We're going to see the king, so don't leave here with your head down. Leave it with your head up. Jesus Christ is coming again because I believe in the rapture. He's coming soon. Eighty soldiers from Fort Dix were fighting a massive forest fire. The fire got out of control, raging around them, and they were trapped. They're running in every direction, but there was no way out. They thought, surely we're going to die. All of a sudden, some rocks began to hit the ground just outside the flame. One here, one over here, one over here. They were three stones that had a message wrapped up in them. They had been thrown from a small plane cruising above them where the pilot of the plane had just dropped those three rocks. When those soldiers who thought they were going to die picked up the stones and looked at the message, they were instructions Because from up in the air, from above, that pilot could see one narrow corridor in that fire. And those boys had a chance to get out if they'd followed that one narrow corridor to safety. I read that story, and you know what it said to me? When they picked up those rocks and looked at those messages, they didn't argue. (laughs) They didn't question. They didn't look up and say, you're a nut. (laughs) They didn't say, you're just trying to scare me. They read those instructions 
And they followed that narrow corridor to safety. And then it hit me, and I'm done with this. You know what suddenly hit me, and I'm about how to spell. You know what suddenly hit me? They were saved when they got a message from above. Bow with me all over the building. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. There's no movement tonight anywhere in the house. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I really believe there's somebody here tonight under the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. I abhor any manipulating evangelism or any coercion. I abhor that. You've heard me say many times, anything I can talk you into, the devil will talk you out of. The Holy Ghost has done the preaching. The Holy Ghost does the convicting, drawing you to Jesus. But I believe there's somebody here tonight that's not ready for the rapture. You believe in the rapture, but you're not ready for the rapture. Nobody's looking but me. I've asked our team to stay down. Pastor's in prayer. Nobody's looking but me. I'm putting my glasses on so I can see real good. Just me and you. Not going to come to you. Not going to harass you. Not going to look you up after church. I'm fixing to get on my knees in a minute behind this pulpit. And I'm going to pray for you. Balcony, main floor. Nobody's looking. Say, Brother Rick. You don't have, by the way, you don't have to raise your hand to a puny evangelist. Brother Rick, would you pray for me? I'm not ready for the rapture. If Jesus comes right now, Brother Rick, pray for me. I'm not ready for the rapture. Lift your hand straight up in the air. Put it back down. Thank you, buddy. One young man. Thank you, sir. Somebody else. Right now, Rick, I'm not ready for the rapture. In this good crowd tonight, two people have lifted their hands. Said, Wonderful. Praise the name of the Lord. Be honest before God. Brother Rick, I'm not ready for the rapture. Lift your hand. Anybody else in the house? Admire you, big man. Admire you. Thank you. Somebody else. Second of all, Brother Rick, I'm not sure. I have trouble to ask. I'm, like, I'm kind of like that deacon in your driveway, preacher. I, you know, I try to keep stiff upper lip. I do a lot of shouting about the rapture, but Brother Rick, I'm not sure. I have tremendous doubts. I'm just not sure. Deeply troubled about my salvation. I'm just not sure. I'm ready to meet God. Would you pray for me? Lift your hand straight up. Lift your hand straight up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank anybody else. Thank you. Anybody else? Not sure. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Just not sure. Every head, but every eye closed. I'll ask no more hands to be raised. I'm speaking to those who know they're believers right now, and you know that you're a believer. We used to say this, didn't we, preacher? If we really believed in the rapture, it would change the way we live. It would change our churches. But I want to ask every believer this. If Jesus were to come right now, would you be ashamed of what's in your life and how you're living and what you're representing? Say, well, Brother Rick, my sins are forgiven. Yeah, but you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You'll be judged for the deeds done in the body. Everybody stand across the building. Everybody stand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask our wonderful team to come. There is a holy hush in this place tonight. I believe the Spirit of God is here. Pastor, come to the front, dear brother. Joey, come on. Here's what I'm going to do, brother Joey. I'm going to do what I've done every night. I'm going to pray first before there's any playing. And I want the man of God to come stand right here. I can't make one person walk down this aisle. Not one. If I could, I'd do it for you. And how many here would do the same thing, brother? If we could take your place proxy, we'd do the same thing. But I'm fixing to pray, and when I finish praying, the music's going to begin, and I'm going to be real bold, real bold. If you lifted your hand, if you cared enough to lift your hand, would you care enough to walk down this aisle and settle something tonight? That's a big, big question. If you were bold enough to lift that hand, would you be bold enough to slip down this aisle and come to this man of God and say this, Pastor, I lifted my hand tonight. I'm not ready for the rapture. Or Pastor... I lifted my hand tonight, and I'm not sure about my salvation. Could you help me? You owe it to your soul. Let the church shout amen. 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 And I'm going to ask you to come. I'm asking one more time in a minute after I pray. Those that lifted their hands, come down here and speak to Pastor Shane. Then I'm going to ask this all over the building. I'm going to ask believers to come to this altar. Let's pray for these folks. I'm going to ask believers right now who would be ashamed of something in your life if Jesus were to come. Come on and get before the Lord. And by the way, if you lifted your hand, please don't come to the altar. Come to the preacher. 
Father, thank you for the privilege to preach. God, I've had unusual freedom this week. I always have freedom in this church. But God, I've had unusual freedom. Tonight, Father, I'm confessing before this body. I've said a whole bunch of stuff, didn't even plan to say. I believe, Holy Ghost, you've just brought it to my heart. I don't know. You're a better counter than me, God. You're perfect, but there's eight or ten hands in this building of people that have said, I'm not ready or I'm not sure I'm ready. Oh, God. God, I pray they'd leave here tonight knowing that they know they're saved. And then, God, for Christians that just need to come to these altars, Father, and seek your face. And then, God, for, for those who just want to pray for the lost. Because, God, we really believe this could be the last service we ever meet. I'll praise you now, God, because I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Every head is about every eyes closed. Nobody's looking. Not because we're trying to keep a secret. I want you to be praying. Music's beginning right now. Right now. As the music begins, if you cared enough to lift your hand, I wonder if you cared enough to step out. Who's first? Who's first? Just come on. Who's first? Just come on. Come on. Who's first? Who's first? Who's second? Come on. Who, who would care enough right now to slip out? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on. Hallelujah. That's right. Just come on. Pastor standing right here. Just come on. We've had a couple of folks come. We've got a couple of folks at the altar. I've been preaching a long time. I've been doing this now, as we've said, 35 years. And in my lifetime, I've never seen it, never seen a day when folks will lift a hand and acknowledge something that won't be willing to step out and get it settled. And I love you. That's why I'm preaching this. There's no pressure here. But I'm going to challenge you tonight to love your soul enough to not leave this building the way you came. Right now. Others are still coming. Joey's going to begin to sing in just a moment. Altar's still open to the saints of God. I'm inviting somebody else. If you're in the balcony, make your way to the front. Just come on. Just come on. Steps lead to the front. Every child of God's praying, what if this were the last night we were going to be here? My brother's going to begin to sing in a moment. A couple of others that have lifted their hands have come and some are being counseled with. But I'm inviting you to come right now. On the next verse, my brother's going to begin to sing. And I'll invite you to step out and say, I'm settling it tonight. Brother Jimmy's standing right down here as pastor's praying with one. You step out and come. Who'll be next? Right now. My brother's going to sing. Yes. All to Jesus I surrender. Somebody else. Come on. Well, I raised my hand. Now I'm coming. I will ever love and trust in His presence daily. Every head, about every eye closed, there's still counseling going on to the front, counseling going on the back. I want to do something tonight. This isn't a show. I just want to do something. Those that feel led to do this. Every time I preach on the rapture, I get a burden for the lost. We ought to be burdened for the lost all the time. But I'm not going to ask you to even come to the altar tonight. I want you to do something. Brother Joey's going to sing another verse. If there's a dear soul right now in your life that you know is going to miss the rapture, if it comes right now, I want you to pray for them. We're going to do it differently than just raising a hand or even coming to an altar. Of course, those who want to come to the altar feel led. But you know what I want us to do? Because hadn't this been a great week in the Lord? What a fitting way to close this. I want us to close it on our knees. Those that still need to come, you've got a great chance to come. When Joy begins to sing, if you've got somebody in your life that your burden is going to miss the rapture, I want you to turn around in front of your chair in a minute. Just get on your knees right there where you are. We're just going to turn this into a big old prayer meeting. That's what we're going to do. My brother's going to sing. 
As he begins to sing, we're just going to pray for the lost right now. Somebody in your life right now, right at your chair is your altar. Right there at your altar. You turn and let's pray for him right now. And if you lifted your hand, you lifted your hand, I want you to come. If you lifted your hand a moment ago and you're not settled, I want you to come right now. Come on. Somebody else. Amen. Anybody else? Come on. We've turned our chairs into an altar. We're praying for our lost friends. That's what we're doing. What a fitting way to close this great series of meetings. Several have already come settling something in their life, but how about you right now? Come on. I surrender all. Continue, continue. You don't have to get up. You stay with Jesus. You stay with Jesus. Don't you dare walk away. Don't you dare pull away. If God's dealing with your heart, you continue to pray. God is moving all over the place. And God is so good. Let's just worship together as we continue to pray. Oh, wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Lord and God. The one who loves us so much more than we could ever understand. Thank you, God, for loving us, for blessing us, for always being there. Jesus, you gave your life. You died upon that cross. You suffered mercifully, Father. Oh, God, we thank you that you thought enough of us, that you loved us, Father, to give your blood and your life for us. God, we exalt you. We do not take for granted God, what you have given us. But Father, our hearts sing to you. We cry to you and we say, Father, you are good and merciful and gracious. You are holy. You are just. And God, our hearts long for you. Oh, Father, be, I pray that you, God, would just be pleased and honored and blessed, Father, to be here with your people because, God, we sing to you and we love you and you are our God and we will have no other. May you be honored, God, by every heart and by every life here. Oh, God, to you be all praise, honor, and glory in all things. You are our life. Father, tonight as we have been in your presence, and it is good to be in the presence of the Lord. It is good to have been in the house of the Lord. Father, as you are healing and even restoring hearts and lives, as souls are recommitting themselves to you and God coming from darkness into light. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for being here and pouring out of your Holy Spirit and your blessing. We long for you, God, and we thank you for loving us. Hallelujah. In Jesus, Jesus, Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. It's hard. It's hard to close a service. But you, go ahead. Okay, keep talking. Go on ahead. Yeah, you do it, man. You, you own it, man. Okay. We'll continue to minister for just a moment as the music's playing. But I tell you what, everybody be seated for just a moment. But what I was going to say a moment ago is it's almost, as a pastor, you wonder how can you close a service like this? Because think about it for just a minute. God's in the house. But you know, even as I know at some point we're going to need to go home, we'll need to be with our families. But the truth is, is you don't need to close the door to your heart. You don't have to. Jesus can always be here. He can always be ministering in our hearts and lives as close as you want to be to God. And this is a conviction of mine, saints, and I believe this with all of my heart. As close as you want to be to Jesus, you certainly can. The Lord is there. He is never far from any of us. 
And even as he speaks to us, even as he moves in our lives, and sometimes we don't even realize it, but the truth is is that God longs to be with his children. He longs for you to love him and to recognize from the beginning what God has asked truly. That's what worship is, is that we just love him. Love him with all of our hearts. Think of it, the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your might, with everything that is within you. God wants us to love him. And then he said the second thing, and and this touches my heart too. Think about it. Then love one another. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If we could get those two things down, people, oh, so much blessing, so much healing, so much changing. The glory of God would move in our midst like never before. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And you can't love your fellow man unless you love God. Tell them. So tonight, I ask you, even as we're continuing to minister now, I mean this sincerely with all of my heart. Absolutely. You can come, you can speak. But I mean that. Do not close the door on Jesus. Go ahead. Brother Shane, you were praying. and Come on, Olivia. Come on, stand. Come on, Mom. Stand with me. Olivia walked down here and saw her standing there. She was weeping, and she just was six years old when she came down, and I believe she was too young. And now she understands she's 12 years old. And her. Right there. Right there. Right there, right there, right there, Olivia settled it, prayed to receive Christ. Didn't you, Olivia? And she wants, she wants to follow the Lord in baptism because I told her she needs to move forward from tonight, and she's going to. So that's all I can do. <laughs> right now. I have no authority to do anything else, but, but Olivia, you blessed my heart. Bless my heart. Mom, God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. You can return to the seat, honey. And in praising and worshiping and honoring God for his salvation and his gift. You know somebody else that walked this aisle? My baby girl. My baby girl wow. walked the aisle. And let me tell you, oh yeah, go ahead. Clap your hands. You praise God. But you know one thing that touches my heart, and think about this for a minute. You see these young people, and they will come to the altar time and time again, and people say, well, are they getting saved? No, 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 no. God saves you. But their hearts are tender before God. And I would rather see somebody walk these aisles every time the door was open and he hit these altars and say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life than to walk out these doors and never be changed. So I'm going to tell you, she came down here and she grabbed my hand. She said, Dad, she says, I love Jesus. But she said, I struggle. I struggle. And she says, I don't want Jesus to return today and for me not to be right with him. She says, I want to make sure my salvation is sure. And I said, absolutely, we can do that. About the dance, I tell you what. And I'll tell you right now, this altar, yes, it's Christ's altar, but that altar was put there for you. It doesn't matter if you're a member. It doesn't matter if you're a visitor. This altar, this is your Father's altar, and you are welcome here anytime because that, my friends, you meet with God. Amen? So, I don't know. Do we, do we continue for a couple more days? I mean, what, what do we do? Call that next church and say, we'll catch them next year. We do. Oh, what we got? Woo, woo. Come on, come on. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Katie, tell me. All right. Can we do it? Let me tell you something. This little girl, you see so much of Jesus in her, and she comes up and she says, you know, she's prayed. She's done a lot of things. She said she just wanted to be sure, absolutely sure. You know, woo. I'm going to dance. I'm going to, mm. No, don't get away. I need a hug. Mm. You know, he was just up here preaching, and you think about that. People come down, I want to be sure. 
I want to be sure. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to have another accident like I had the other night. For those of you that were here when I made that off-color comment, it wasn't bad. Just work with me. I'm about right there again. <laughs> Whew. Mm. I tell you what, stand with me. Stand with me in honor of God. My daughter yesterday, right after the message, we went to that very holy place called Applebee's. And while we were there, first thing she did, we said, Autumn said, you want to pray? And she put her hands together and she said, thank you, Jesus. First, ah, Ooh, I'm going to have a Holy Ghost fit. I'm going to tell you what. I love it. I just want you right now, in your own way, just close your eyes and tell Jesus how much you love him. Just yourself, corporate prayer, just pray for a minute. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. I hunger for you. I need you. You have been so good to me. My life will be nothing without you. Father, I would be dust and ashes by now. I would be lost. I would be torn apart if it weren't for you. And I love you, Jesus. And I need you. And I want you afresh in you in my life every single day. God, be glorified. God, bring about in this time and in this place and in our community that which God wants to do. Be pleased, Father. Have your will and way in our midst. Oh, God, we cannot tell you thank you enough. You are good. You are life. Ain't nobody like Jesus. We love you, God, and we surrender to you. Father, may we leave this place changed. God, may we take this life everywhere we go. And Father, may we continue, continue every single day to burn brightly for you. Father, we pray your blessings upon our brother and his wife. Bless the quorums. Bless them as they go. Bless them as they transition. And Father, may your spirit continue to burn brightly, brightly, Father, within him. To you be all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go with God and love somebody before you leave.